grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of him and of Jesus our Lord. So through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside us, giving all diligence that is putting in all effort, making every effort that you can master, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. Hallelujah. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For in these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence, that is, give attention, give seriousness, to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. Or is it fall? Four, God have mercy. Praise God. If you do these things, you shall never fall. Make, says, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Do these things to make your calling and election sure. Sure, God has called us. But he's saying that you need to do these things to make sure your call, to, to make sure your calling. That is to make your calling worthy. To make your calling, you know, have weight. To let all around you know that indeed you've been called. By God. Praise God. I don't know about you, but there are some people when you invite them to dinner and it's, um, it's you know what they call eat as much as you can? You know that kind of places you go to? Is it buffet, right? Where they just spread it and you just eat as much as, as, you, as, you, as you can. There are some individuals, if you take them along, they will waste your money. The church once, I think some years ago, the church organized a, such a buffet, I, mean, I, I think uh, in, um, in um, Brentwood, a place called Joy Fook. <laughs> Before this time, Certain members of the church have been there and, you know, they wasted the money that was spent. But when we went with the whole church, we had certain individuals amongst us that made sure that the hundreds of pounds that we paid to that, you know, restaurant was worth it. To the point that now they were begging us to... Good because other customers are coming. But I thought it was eat as much as you like, you know. And, uh, but our, our guys made sure the money was worth it. It was well spent. 
And that is what I believe God is talking about here. That when I've called you into the faith, make your calling and election sure. Let me feel that, you know, I'm glad I called you. I'm glad I called you. Look at him. Let God be able to boast about you like Job. Satan, have you seen Job? And let the devil feel that. Who is this guy that God called? So too troublesome. And let the world feel. The world should also feel that. Goodness me. I, I know we have Christians, but there are Christians. I know there are people called sons of God, but there are sons. And there are those called children of God, but this one is a child of God. You know, make your calling and election sure. Let it count. Let it be worthy. Live it. Live it in such a way that God feels you. The devil feels you. Hello? And the world talk about you. There are certain people who have passed this path before us. And God himself spoke about them. You read the book of Kings, and I always use David as an example. That you don't read about the kings, all the kings in Israel and Judah, and miss this point that David was a king par excellence. That is, he excelled all the kings. That every time reference is being made to him, he was not like his father David. He was not like his father, David. He was not like his father, David. Continuous reference being made unto him. Hallelujah. Amen. The master himself, Jesus, walked on the face of the earth, and it was said, he's done all things well. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. This is what the Apostle Peter is talking about. That, you see, God has called us, but he wants us to make our call, and this call in which he has called you. And by the way, every believer, every Christian is called. If you're a Christian, how many Christians are in this room? You are called. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, wow. I am not called. What do you mean by you not called? You are called with a purpose and as an assignment and with a task to fulfill for God here on this earth. There is no Christian who is callless or ministryless. If there's any word like that, if there is none, put it in my dictionary. Hallelujah. You are called. So when you go into bed, go to bed as someone who has a calling of God upon your life. When you wake up in the morning, wake up as someone who has a calling of God upon your life. Don't wake up as well. I am one of Well, I'm one of the helpless ones. No. Yesterday, last Friday, we were, we, were, we were talking about, you know, this victim mentality. That there are some people who, who live through life with a victim mentality. So they like phrases like, um, uh, I'm praying for my destiny helper to come. Destiny helper. What do you mean by destiny helper? When Bible says that God is a helper of Joseph. Destiny helper. Destiny helper is a victim mentality being created among Christians. Destiny helper. So I'm sitting down waiting for my destiny helper. When God is your helper. 
He said, victim mentality. I am not able. I'm so feeble. I'm waiting for someone to come and do something. No, get up. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Like, the pop, like the, that popular quote. Don't wait for what your country can do for you, but get up to do, to do something for your country. I turn it around. Don't wait. You say, what can the church do for me? Get up and do something for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Because God has done so much for us. So much for us. And he continues to do. So let's, 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 let's rise up and begin to do something. Make our calling and election sure. And for this, Peter says, for this to be possible, you need to add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, patience. patience. To patience, You miss temperance after knowledge. Praise the Lord. You see, these qualities which he mentions here, they seem to build up upon each other. From that, at that, from that, at that, from that, at that. From temperance, add Patience. Now the patience he recommends us to add is not, you know, sometimes you are, you are patient because you want something from people. So you are patient. No. He's not, he's, not, he's not talking about that kind of patience. But what, why you are being patient because God requires it. And this is what brings us to the next quality he mentions. To patience and godliness. And godliness. Praise God. Godliness. You see, there are many things we've been called on to as people of God. I mentioned a few. We've been called on to things like church membership, become a member, called to become a member. We've been called to become moral people or become religious people, we have been called to become nice people, we've been called to all kinds of things, but there's only one thing God is calling us to, one thing, not many things, one thing, and what is that? Verse 3, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us unto glory, whereby I give it unto us exceeding and great promises that by these things we might become what? Partakers of God's divine nature. This is what the one thing God is calling us to. To become partakers of his divine nature. Hallelujah. Amen. Is someone hearing me this, this morning? That's one thing God is calling us to. To become partakers of his divine nature. When God said in the beginning, let us make man in our image to be like us. He was not making a religious statement. Something just to be admired. Oh, wonderful. How nice it is. Oh, how, oh, oh, really? Oh, God, God is so cool, you know? No, he meant it. Let's make man in our image who will be like us, who will function on the earth like us, who will operate on the earth like us. They will do business on the earth like us. They will run their homes like us. They will, if they are students, they will study like us. They will run the earth like us. They will oversee the earth like us. They will take full responsibility for what happens on the earth like us. 
They will not abandon the world and sing songs like, take the whole world and give me Jesus. But they will be responsible people on earth. They will be responsible. They will take the world, the earth, like their father's property and manage it as it ought to be managed. They will not live on the earth as victims, as people who are dependent upon other people on what to do and what to eat and what to wear. But they will become people who initiate things on the earth, who get the earth running, who get things going, who get things running on the earth. They initiate and implement things on the earth. Not people who wait for things to be piled onto them. That is why Romans 12, you can say, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Don't wait for things to be just poured on you. On you. Don't let people just sit in their rooms or, or in their whatever, and in your, in your occultic centers, and, and devise things, and come and just pour them upon you. And all we do is just embrace them, just wear them, just take them, just admire them. But rather, we rise up, and begin to function on the earth. Therefore, God meant by, let's make man in our image of our likeness. So there are two kinds of people. There's one group. That is managing the earth the way they like it. But there is another group that manages the world as God wants it to be managed. Two groups of people. But it looks like the first group has taken a big leap managing the world and the earth as they like it. Most of the issue, issues Challenges, problems that we face is because certain people have taken things in their own hands without God's influence, without God's mandate, and are organizing how things should be. At least we have in history that Nero, with his attempt to, you know, Try to change a part of Rome to suit him. They were very immoral, those emperors. They were very immoral. And they wanted things their way. So in a way to just change part of it to suit him, he decided to burn a small, a certain portion of Rome so that he can have the city, that, city, that part of the, of, the, of, the, of the city rebuilt. Because he had, made, he, had, he, had, he had put in every effort to rebuild that part because he didn't like it. He wanted it to be the way he wanted it. But he was not being given the permission to do that. So what he said to do was to burn it. To send his own people to go and burn that part. Once it is burned, it has to be rebuilt. And when it's being rebuilt, now he will build it the way he wants it to be. But unfortunately, it was a project that went wrong. And the whole city was burned. So the only way he could escape that thing that he did was to say the Christians burnt it. That was why the persecution rules against the Christians. Because the Romans didn't really like the Christians for, for, for starters. So he said, it's them. It's them. So the persecution arose against them. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because most of the things that are happening in our world today that seem to be affecting everybody, some of them are sometimes projects gone wrong. Some of them are sometimes projects gone wrong. Somebody trying to play God somewhere. And the thing just goes wrong, backfires. And everybody is suffering. I'll end on that one. Hmm, God have mercy. So there are evil people. Hello. There are kings in our world. But let's not be the victims. Let's be the sets, those who bring solution Hallelujah. to the situation. 
Amen. Let me not move up from godliness. Let's come back to godliness. Praise God. So the apostle Peter says, add to patience godliness. Because these things, the reason for this is because God wants us to be partakers of his divine nature. It is for this reason why you and me have been created here on this earth. Praise God. Praise God. But when God says godliness, what does he mean? Godliness. What is it? A word similar to it is godly. When we say someone is godly. Godly. To be godly means to have the right attitude towards God. So what is it? Godliness. What is it? There's a picture I want to show you. If it can be projected, that will be great. The sense or the meaning of godliness comes from this picture. The picture of a man's hand pointing. Now when a man is pointing a finger like this, it means several things, right? But all those several things give the same sense. Is it a man warning someone to do something? Or telling someone to go a particular direction? You, sit here. You, don't do that again. It's a strong hand. Or it could also mean someone sh shooting an arrow, but not in that sense, but someone pointing the finger. It all points towards something. That is, telling another person to do something. So it's a hand coming from someone in power, someone in authority, so that whoever, whoever is being pointed to has this sense of, you know, fear. Hey, do this or else you are dead. Sit here. Do that or else you won't have that. I will explain further. Keep this on. But I wanted to come with me to Genesis 42. Genesis 42, please. Praise God. Genesis 42, 29 to 38. And then Genesis 43, 1 to 14. Write that down. And when you go back, you can go through and, and read it. But in Genesis 42, 29 to 38, we have Joseph and his brothers. Praise the Lord. Joseph's brothers come to buy food in Egypt when he has become the minister of agriculture in Egypt. And when he sees them, he decides to test them, whether they are, they are changed brothers or they are still the same old nasty brothers he left about 13 years ago. So he asks them questions, and they talk about their father and their little brother, Benjamin. And Jesus says, no, you are, you are spies. Say, no, no, we're, we're not spies. We are 12 brothers of one man, and uh, unfortunately one is dead, and, and we are 10 here because the, the little boy is with their father, and, and the father won't let him out of his side because the other brother is dead. He said, now I told you, you are, you are spies. He said, the only way you prove you're not spies is that go and bring that little brother you talked about here. Until you bring him, that was a finger pointing to them. Until you bring this little brother, do not, you will not see my face. If you see my face without your brother, 
you know what will happen to you. So in fear and to be, because the man spoke to them very harshly. And you know what jo jo Joseph did? Joseph knew their language very well, but decided to speak through an interpreter. Egyptian interpreter. You know, anytime people, people do that, it makes them more powerful. Because one, they don't understand what you're saying. Anything you say doesn't make sense to them because they don't understand. They're speaking to you through an, 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 an interpreter. And you can't say, I beg you in your, in your, in your language. And, and, and they don't hear it. So he speaks steadily and seriously. And as they're going back, he does something else. He puts their money back in their sacks. And because of the way he treated them when they were in Egypt, they were so afraid of him, when they realized that their money was in their, oh my goodness, they were more afraid, the Bible says. They come and they tell Jacob, and Jacob said, but why did you tell the man, I've got another son? He said, well, we didn't know he was going to say we should bring him. So for us to go again, we would need to go with Benjamin. <laughs> and Jacob says, Benjamin? No. Then we will starve. So they ate the food, they ate all the corn they had brought from Egypt, and everything was fine until, when there was food, everything was fine. Now their food got finished. When their good food got finished, the brothers went about their business. They're not going back. You didn't go to Egypt with us. We went to Egypt and we saw the man. We knew how the man was, and we're not going back there. Foreign land. We're only 10. What can we do? He's an authority in the land. All he needs to say is, hey, catch them. <laughs> and we are finished. We're not going back there. So both Jacob, but remember, God told them Joseph would be their ruler, and they didn't accept it. So both their father and themselves are living in a certain way, in hunger, struggling. Why? Because of the word of Joseph. Let me put it another way. Because of the finger of Joseph. Joseph has pointed his finger, giving them a word, and now they are living their lives according to the pointed hand of Joseph. So they are living all their lives according to how Joseph's hand, or where Joseph's hand is pointing. Until you come with your brother, you are not stepping here. So they're not going anywhere. They are staying put in their own house. The only time they were able to move out of their house to go back to Egypt was when Jacob finally agreed and said, and said what Esther said. If I'm, if I'm bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Take Benjamin. Go. So until... Until they went by the word of Joseph, they could not return to Egypt. They were living under the rule, under the command of Joseph. What I've just shown you is the picture of godliness. Godliness is living under the commandment of someone because of respect or reverential fear. This is what he has said. And I cannot live any other way but the way he has commanded. It is called godliness. So you commit yourself to live in a particular way because someone, authority, someone above you is giving an indication of how your life should be. So godliness is not living according to your opinion. Godliness is living according to the way someone has ordered that you live your life. In our case, this someone is no other person than Almighty God himself. Almighty God himself, that whatever he has indicated, whatever he has commanded, whatever, whatever direction he has pointed his hand, as we walk in that direction, it is called 
godliness. So godliness is an attitude or commitment or, com or a dedication to follow a path indicated by the hand of Almighty God. You bind yourself. You make that your way of life. That is, you, you, you have, you come to the place and say, I have no other choice but this. That is called godliness. Oh, someone is not hearing me. Godliness. Hallelujah. So it is, you decide you're going to go the way. I mean, you, it is, you yield yourself to that direction indicated by the master. It's called godliness. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. You see, let me say something about godliness. Come to 2 Peter chapter 3, please. Something about godliness. 2 Peter 3 and the 11th verse. Let's take it from the verse 10. It will make sense from the verse 10, please. My picture can be taken away, please. And we can read the scriptures. Verse 10 reads, But that day, okay, no, no sorry, from the verse 9. From verse 9. My apology. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, Lord, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, the works that are therein, shall be bound up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons are ye to be in all holy conversations and godliness? Godliness. Now the point I want to make here is this. The Bible says all things shall be dissolved. You see, all things shall be dissolved. And it says because all things shall be dissolved, there is a certain way you are to order your lives. That is in godliness. Indicating that when all things shall be passed away, there is something that will not pass away. It's called godliness. The only thing that will keep you able to still stand. You see, Bible says that all the works of this earth shall be tested with fire. The only ones from this text that shall survive will be those ones that are done in godliness. That means godliness has the, you know, it has the ability to survive everything because it comes from God himself. So if we want to endure and we want to remain and we want to be found, like he said, our calling to be sure, our calling and election to be, to be sure, Something that may God fills you, then it's got to be in godliness. When everything is over, godliness will remain. It's an attitude, an attitude and a commitment, an attitude of commitment to stick to the paths of God as He has indicated to you. As he has directed you to walk. Praise God. As he has said we should walk. So all men can walk any way they like. But you decide, no, I'm going to commit myself to what God has indicated. 
I'm going to go the way God wants me to go. Godliness. Bible says that if, you will have, if we will have godliness, we will not fall. We will not fail. We will be beneficial. We will be valuable. We will be of profit. Our work will abound. Our work will stand. Or else, everything else that people are doing will fail. God has got a spe- There is a general path of God. There are general things that God would want us to live by. Not in patience, long-suffering, love, and kindness, all that. But then there are also specific purpose that God would want you to follow. Because we are created for a purpose. And that purpose ought to be fulfilled. Hallelujah. That when the time is over, we'll give an account of our lives, what we have done with them. And it shall be, what did you do with the life I gave you? Time is passing. Time is passing. Your life is like water in a glass. As you're pouring it, it doesn't get back in. It gets poured. And as time is passing, you are pouring it. Now whether you do something with it or not, it's pouring. The moment you are born, that glass or bottle of water is tipped and it's full and it's coming out. So as time is passing, your life is passing. Your life is passing. And the question is, how is it passing? In godliness? That's the question. Is it being poured out, fulfilling and accomplishing the direction that God's hand has indicated? Or is it being poured anyway, anyhow? Time is passing. Time is passing. Unfortunately, let me tell you, some people have had all the water of their life poured out of their glasses, poured out of their bottles, and did not go in the direction God's hand indicated. But they've been poured out. It's been poured out. It's been poured out. That life, that life did not achieve anything because it did not move on living the direction God's hand was pointing. It did whatever it pleased to do. Whatever it felt like doing. But God has called you and me to walk in a manner that his hand is pointing. A manner that makes him feel proud. A manner that glorifies his name. That, 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 that honors him. That glorifies him. That gives him pleasure. Hallelujah. Amen. A manner that causes the enemy to shake and quake. That when would he even leave and go and leave me alone? And the world is saying, more of such people here on this earth. Hallelujah. Amen. I was saying recently to some, to some people, you see, don't think it far from you that someone else probably must do it. But I'm saying that, you see, this knife crime issue among youth, maybe you are the solution. Yes, maybe you. Lives that are being wasted. But you are the solution. If only we will rise up throw away victim mentality and rise up and begin to go in the direction that God 
has chosen for us. What do you sense in your heart when you wake up in the morning? What is that drives your heart that you know makes God's heart happy? Rise up and begin to do it. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, Abraham, when God called him to leave the earth of the Chaldeans, Genesis 12, he got up, Genesis 12, and the Lord said unto him, Leave. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come, come with me. Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, where you have security, where you are physically you are comfortable, where you have all that you could ever have for your support in life. Come out of that place and go to the land where you don't know about, where there's no security, but I will show you. A foreign land, a people whose language are even probably new to you. Get up and go there. Abraham, the Bible says in chapter 13. And Abraham went up out of Egypt. He and his wife. So, so he, he went out and began to walk wherever God led him. He faced so many challenges. It wasn't an easy road, but that was the way he went. That is what we call godliness. Going in the direction that God's hand has pointed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Moses was enjoying the backside of Midian. Enjoying a wife with his children. Having a, a nice life. Taking care of sheep that will not talk back to him. Sheep that would only need a little stick and they are back in line. Sheep that will not say, Moses, keep quiet. Sheep that will not disturb him. They were, they were animals. The only challenge was wolves coming against them or the weather being bad. But they will not resist him. But God came and said, Moses, get up. Go back to Egypt and bring my people out. Moses got up and went to that land to face his challenging destiny. That is godliness. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Job. Job. Job was faced with all kinds of challenges because God has thrown a challenge upon his life. But no matter what Job went through, the Bible said that Job did not lift up his tongue to curse God. Neither in his heart did he moan against God. He still esteemed God high. He still said, God is good. God is just. God is righteous. Amen. He kept his stand. That is godliness. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise be to God. Daniel. Daniel. Daniel heard. Daniel knew. And a command has, given, has been given that no one too should, should pray in secret to their gods. But Daniel said, hey, in my secret place, I will still pray to my God. So Daniel still went to his secret place. Even though he knew that the consequence was going to be the lion's den. But Daniel embraced himself and walked the path of secretly calling upon his God. That is godliness. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, there's a woman we talk about in the Bible, now, but not very much. Her name is Mary. You know, Mary, when the angel came to Mary and told her, Mary, you're going to be pregnant with a child. Mary's response was, let it be unto me according to your word. And Mary was old enough to know that saying, let it be unto me, he was going to face the consequence of a woman about to get married, being pregnant. 
pregnant, not by the man you are walking with. That was serious. That was dangerous. But Mary said, let it be unto me according to your word. That is godliness. That is godliness. My Bible tells me uh, another woman with an alabaster box came to Christ and she began to pour the oil upon Jesus' feet and begin to wash the oil feet with her own hair. Begin to wash it. But this woman knew that in their culture, what she was doing was dangerous. It could end her touching the feet of someone known as a rabbi. Was dangerous. It could mean probably her being stoned or something. But she dared it. Because her heart prompted her soul. And Christ said, leave the woman alone. For she's done this towards my barrier. That means that was the indication of God. She felt it and she went for it. Hallelujah. What is the Lord saying to your heart? What is God prompting your heart? Move towards it. Fulfill it. Bear the consequences. It is called godliness. It is called godliness. It is called godliness. Because anytime you go in this way, it will be contrary to the ways of the world. <laughs> the ways of God, Bible says, are higher than the ways of the world. It's always higher. And it's always better. And it's always different. So if you are waiting, if you are always trying to you know, take consensus. What is my friend saying? You can't walk in godliness. What is my father, what is, what is my sister saying? What is what was saying? You can't go in the way of godliness. We have to go only God's pointed hand. That is what is called godliness. Live any other way, it is ungodliness. Hallelujah. Amen. God have mercy. Amen. God have mercy. Amen. Praise God. Amen. You see, there are some women. There are some women in the, in the Bible. When Christ finally died on the cross. Died on the cross. From his own lips, he said, It is finished. From his own lips. And I'm sure some of the guys, when they had it, well, you've had it. He himself says, it is finished. So let's go home. No wonder most of them went fishing. No wonder they went their ways. But the women stayed around and made sure, though he said it is finished, they made sure they put him in a tomb. Ah, my goodness. They made sure they had placed him in a tomb and made and went back home to prepare to come back to embalm his body properly. It may not count for you. It may not mean anything to you. It may be trivial right now. It may may not know no sense to you. But for me, it makes sense to follow the promptings of God in my heart. It may not mean anything to you. But for us, it may not mean anything to you. You may despise it. You may laugh about it. Look at that. How could that be God? He himself is saying it. It is finished. Kaput. Over. But even though it's over, it is so honorable. It is so honorable to put the body of Christ in a tomb. And we will do that. We will do that. So men may say, what is the point? You are suffering. You are being destroyed. What is your use? Living this kind of life. But I can offer you this kind of position. If only you will do this. I will offer you this. And you will live well. And you say, hey, what shall a man gain if he has the whole world? 
so what has a man gained? Nothing. 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 The Apostle Paul speaking says that some have said, some who have had wrong teachings think that gain is godliness. Gain is godliness. But Paul says, no. Gain is in godliness. It is rather godliness with contentment. That is a great gain. What is that? Basically, many of them were saying, if I'm gaining, I'm prospering. I'm getting promotions on my job. I'm being promoted every six months. I'm being promoted. I am doing well. I'm not caring about God. I'm not really praying that much. I don't even follow God's ways. But I'm getting promoted every six months. People on the job like me. You know, I'm flourishing. I'm doing well. I'm having properties here and there. I'm gaining riches. I'm doing well. It must be God is on my side. That is why you, with all that you do, you are so broke and busted. But I'm doing well. That means God is on my side. The apostle said, no, that is wrong teaching in your, in your head. Correct teaching will make you walk in godliness. Walk in a way that brings joy to the heart of God. It will make you walk in a way that will make the enemy say, ah, I wish he died and went away. I'm tired of him. I'm tired of him. And the world will say, what a Christian. The world will say, what a believer. What a Jesus man. What a Jesus girl. What a godly woman. When you walk in godliness, the world calls you godly. The Bible calls you godly. God calls you godly. And the whole church calls you godly. Godly woman. Godly man. Godly boy. Godly girl. Because you are walking in godliness. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh my goodness. You see, godliness, let me tell you this. Godliness, Matthew 12, please. Sorry, Mark 12, 29 to 31. Godliness, I'll finish off with this. Godliness is not about, oh, I'm not sinning. Hello? Hi. Let me tell you something here. Praise God. And please hear me well. Not sinning. Yeah? Not committing sin. Haven't you realized that not, com- not, not, not committing sin is <laughs> not the biggest and the greatest commandment in Scripture? Hello? Have you realized that? Yes. Not committing sin is not the biggest or the greatest commandment in the Bible. Yes. Because... Any person who does physical exercise and trains the mind and does all these things can regulate themselves and not to do certain things. There are some children who have been trained in some homes, they will never lie. No matter what you do to them, they will not lie. And there are some people too, no matter what you do, they will not steal. They will never steal, they will never lie. They will not ever do anything. And there are some people, no matter what you do, their wives can travel for 20 donkey years. They will never become, you know, unfaithful to their wives or husband or, or, their, or their women. Their husbands can travel 30 years and they will still remain. It's, no, they, they won't do any, anything. But that is not what God is talking about. That is not so necessarily godliness. Because godliness has a factor. That's right. It is that factor that makes all the difference. Mm. 
Hallelujah. And Jesus, and Jesus answered them and said, answered him, the first of all the commandments is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Let's go on. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thine mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like this. Thou shalt, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than this. Listen to this, church. Love. <laughs> the strength of godliness comes from love for God. It is the love for God that made Joseph say to Potiphar's wife, I cannot do this great wickedness against God and against my master. He has not left, he has given me access to everything. The only thing I have no access to is you because you are his wife. So I cannot do that. Even though you're giving me free access, I cannot do that. For some people, the reason why they're not committing some sins is because they don't have access. If they did, if they did have access, uh -huh, it's because some men or some people, they've got POP marks, they can't speak. And that's the reason why, but check their hearts, and it's full of dead men's bones. So it's not, it's not, not doing the whole thing that is the issue. Christ said, if you look at it from your heart. So it is love for God. It is love for God. Hallelujah. The love for God that keeps us away. And he said, the love of God constrains us. It constrains us. We are, you know, we are ruled by the love of God. So you see, godliness is operating under the love of God and said, you know what? I am bound by love. I cannot do it against him. I am a slave of love. I'm captured by love. I cannot do this. I am captured by love. I am caught in the web of love. Love has caught me in its nest and I can't come out. So I'm bound by love to do this for you because this pleases God. I'm bound by God to live this way because this way pleases God. I'm serving you heartlessly without any restraint. I'm going the hundred mile. I'm taking a second slap all because the love of God constrains me. This is Godliness. And the power from godliness comes from God himself. According as his power, divine power, has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So the ability itself comes from God. And we are aware of this power through the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. Rise up on your feet. Rise up on your feet. Christ alone, cornerstone, be made strong in the Savior's
Crash and load. 